0: Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Listen to these headlines. The economy is growing slowly. Moral values are at an all time low. Corruption is rampant in our government. Prisons are overpopulated. Our military is spread too thin. The number living below poverty level is at an all time high. Inflation is rising. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. Sound like the headlines of today? Actually, history tells us they're the headlines of the Roman Empire. History always repeats itself if we allow it to. In 2001, Billy Graham's daughter was interviewed on the early show and was asked, How could God let something like this happen? Regarding the attacks on September 11th, Billy Graham's daughter gave a profound and insightful response. She said, I believe God is deeply saddened by this, just as we are. But for years, we've been telling God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, and to get out of our lives and being the gentleman he is, I believe he has calmly backed out. How can we expect God to give us his blessing and his protection if we demand he leave us alone? In light of all the recent events, terrorist attacks, school shootings, wars, a pandemic, everything that's going on, I think it started when Madeline Murray O'Hare complained she didn't want prayer in our schools, and we said okay. Then someone said, well, you better not read the Bible in school. I mean, the Bible says thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, Okay. Then a pediatrician expert said we shouldn't spank our children or discipline them when they misbehave. Because their little personalities would be warped, we might damage their self-esteem. We said, an expert should know what he's talking about. Okay. And now we are asking ourselves why our children have no conscience, why they don't know right from wrong, and why it doesn't bother them to kill people. Why they think as long as it's pleasurable, it's all right to do. Why it's cool to be homosexual. And we have to deal with this gender neutral thing. I think it has a lot to do with we reap what we sow. I believe we are failing as a society to sow two very important points. The first point is, who am I? Today, all too often, we are told that we came from some microorganism that evolved into man. that we will spend approximately 70 years or so here and then turn into worm food. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created He him, male and female created He them. Genesis 1 and 27. Even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him from my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. Isaiah 43 and 7. As Christians, we know who we are. We are gods. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Romans chapter 14, verse 8 Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Psalms 100, verse 3 But now, thus saith the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. The second point I think we're failing to sow is what difference do I make in this world? The world today would have us to believe that the only difference we make is to ourselves. Our financial status, educational status, what we can contribute to society, and how well we please ourselves are all that matters in our life. Jesus tells us something a little different. In Matthew chapter 5, Particularly in verse 13, which we will look at, Jesus tells us the difference we as Christians are to make. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? The salt of the earth? What does that mean? I mean, that's a statement and a phrase I've heard many, many times describing good people. Is Jesus saying that we are the good people? Let's examine this salt of the earth concept. Salt. To the Romans, salt was the purest of all things because it came from the purest of all things the sun and the sea. In the Jewish culture, salt was a vital part of the Jewish sacrificial system. Leviticus 2 and 13 says everything offered had to be pure. And Numbers 18 and 19 says there was a covenant of salt. Purity in salt comes from, in part, because of its purifying qualities, sodium chloride. The chloride is the purifying element. Thus, Christians, as salt of the earth, are to be examples of purity, and have a purifying effect on the world around them. Turn your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 12. Zealous for good deeds. Standards of the past are being lowered and destroyed. Honesty at work, school, and even sometimes of the church are being questioned. Then we have this issue about morality. There seems to be a lot of talk about abortion and the Supreme Court confirmation. But what about fornication? What about lust? What about infidelity? What about family life? As Christians, we should be an active salt, standing out for those things that are pure and are in harmony with God's will. We need to hold diligently the purity that God has established, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Titus chapter 3 verse 8 Maintaining good works, holding the purity that God has established, is not only good for ourself, but for the whole world's sake. Another characteristic of salt is its preserving power. Salt was used to help preserve things, hold back decay. Today we think about this as a ham or something like that. But back in Paul's day, curing meat was a way to preserve it. I mean, think about it. Meat is a dead body and if left to itself, it's going to go bad but salt preserves it and keeps it fresh and therefore keeps corruption out. As Christians, we are to have that same antiseptic influence on life, keeping corruption out. A guy from Galilee, a peasant, with a few of his uneducated countrymen that he had gathered around him, stands up on a mountain and says to them, You guys, you handful of people, are the people who are to keep this world from rotting and to bring it to all of its best light. Yet I contend that the world's deepest understanding of principles to be pursued and morality came from these men who receive from Christ the power to impart those principles and morality. One way of being a preservative is the putting off of God's judgment. We see examples of this in the Bible. Noah's righteousness saved the entire human race. If there were ten righteous souls, that would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah one righteous soul will save the entire world. The wheat are saving the tares until judgment, as we're told in Matthew 13. As long as there's some purifying influence, God has spared the nations. But when all godliness had departed, that nation fell. I offer Israel Judah, Babylon, and Nineveh as just a few examples. But it's not just merely being proclaimers of the word that will preserve. We have to be doers of it to have an effect on society. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are not to just go along with what the world thinks is appropriate or not appropriate. We are to be transformation people. How? By renewing of our mind by getting into God's Word, understanding those principles and the morality and the things He set in place, so that we can show the world the perfect will of God. That, my friends, is acting as a preservative. I have to admit, when I hear of salt... I think of flavor. Salt enhances the flavor. I love kettle corn because it's sweet and salty at the same time. The salt makes the sweetness taste just a little bit better, in my opinion. But I'm sure we've all had some food that without salt is flat and a little uninspiring. Christianity is to life what salt is to food. It enhances it. Often people have thought of Christianity as doing exactly the opposite. Some people actually make the decision not to follow Jesus because of what they observe in the followers of Jesus. That, unfortunately, is the ultimate tragedy in my opinion. Robert Louis Stevenson was quoted as saying, I have been the to church today and am not depressed. Is that the picture of Christianity that we portray? Taking the vividness out of life? Becoming depressing? As the salt of the earth, we are to enhance life, not destroy it. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. John 10.10 10. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice! Philippians 4, and four. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, And His commandments are not grievous. 1 John 5, 3 and 4 It is a blessing to be a Christian. Not a curse, not a burden, not a weight. It's the way that we could get the most out of life. Not the least. For any person to be productive that person must know the answers to these two questions. Who am I and what difference do I make? For us to be productive Christians, we must always keep in mind whose we are and the difference we are to make in this world. We must also remember what happens if we start as Christians to become ineffective in our purpose. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.